Hello friends and welcome to Monday's Kings of Anglia podcast. I hope you had a good weekend. Unfortunately, Ipswich Town didn't have a good weekend. They lost 2-0 at Sunderland. Obviously, promotion rivals, fellow League One big boys. A game that for all the world, it looked like Town may even have won. They ended up losing in heartbreaking yet familiar fashion. Um, welcome along to this week's pod, sponsored by Manscaped, of course. Use that code KOA for 20% off and free delivery. I am joined by two men who are hoping had a good weekend, despite the result. I know one of them did, because he was out having it large on the tune in Newcastle. We'll come to Ross in a minute. But Stewie, the Dr. Watson, back from the gym this morning. Have you got a license for those guns you're packing, my friend? How are you? I'm all right, thank you, mate. You asked me what I'm trying to get out of the gym, just to just to get a little bit healthier. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not trying to go all arny on you here. I'm just uh, just just trying to get a bit healthier, my friend. That's all you, it is. You started eating steak for breakfast yet? No. Have you started started on the gear? Get on the juice. Uh, do you do you know if you got some contacts? I can uh, sort you out, mate. Don't you worry. Okay, no, and don't don't do drugs, kids. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I genuinely do think that would be an interesting idea for a feature, though. Don't you? Just just take like a a man like yourself or like any of us, and see what kind of shape you get into. Just banging on the juice for a bit. Don't you reckon? Uh, I think you've described this to me before. Uh, the the drug Olympics. So like. We yes. all know where we stand. They're allowed to yep. take any kind of performance enhancing. Yeah, everything, drug they anything, want. anything goes. Yeah, yeah. Morally, morally, ethically, I think we're on we're on dodgy ground here. But um, oh, you know, it's an interesting idea. I don't know. I mean, if everyone is is it's fully open, you know, and everyone knows the deal, you can take whatever you want to compete in this. The drug Olympics, everything is in play. I would watch that. That'd be a pay-per-view sport for me because you'd get these kind of super hybrid humans, wouldn't you? Yes, their life expectancy would be about a day, probably, after they've after they've juiced up to the gills. But, you know, it's up to them, isn't it? It's their call. Anyway, um, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't know why we went there, early doors. Um, Ross, you had a great weekend. You weren't around last week and we missed you greatly, but you were oh. on it like a car bonnet. Was it Newcastle you went up to in the end? Because I, I know obviously the game was Sunderland and you were, you were at the game and I was speculating mm-hmm. on last week's pod that I was hoping you wouldn't go out in Sunderland and you go to Newcastle because it's a legendary night out. Friend, is that what you did? Tell us all about it. Yeah, no drugs were consumed on Saturday night, <laughs> yeah. just to let, let you know. Yeah. Um, it was mostly alcohol. Um, that is a drug, of course, alcohol, but yeah, there you go. Yeah, true. true. It's legal. Um, it is legal. Um, but no, it was a wonderful night with um, a lot of good lads. Of course, it was Liam's, uh, Liam from Cruz birthday weekend, turned 32. Um, although his birthday was on Sunday, so he drove back on his birthday. So nice. bless his little heart. But no, a very good night um, with James, Bloomers, Paul and Liam um, out in Newcastle um, with the lads. A lot of alcohol was consumed. We went to a bar where basically you were just dancing on tables. Um, a lot of cheesy songs were were playing, a lot of dancing, a lot of beers flying, sticky floors and all that. And uh, it was a very late night, but um, a very good night. Where did you go in Newcastle? Can you remember? Something it would be. Um, okay. I can Google that it. That narrows it down. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a good it was a good place. Um, and my good old Thomas Whitby was there. So, oh, was he? My drone instructor. So, um, he was he, he was, was um. I'm gonna put it out there now. I'm gonna bluntly say he was he was fucked. Was he? Say that he was so, in a, he was a mess. Was he? He was a mess. But, um, but he had a good night. It seemed. You had a good night. Yeah. I once shook hands with Alan Shearer, a club in Newcastle, years ago when I was training in Darlington. 
Um, he was there and he was treated like an absolute god, as you can imagine, in Newcastle. There was no end of people around him. Um, and we did that really lame, drunken student thing of kind of milling around. <laughs> uh, he was with Gary Speed, as I recall, um, and Shay Given, off the top of my head, I seem to remember. Yeah, Newcastle, a great night out if you've never done it. Um, I'm now too old for nights out um, in my dotage, but if you're still young enough, go for it. Anyway, boys, Ipswich Town, we're hoping we're going to go for it at Sunderland on, on Saturday. A game we talked about last week, Stewie, on paper, looked a good time for Town to be playing Sunderland. In a good run of form going into the game, Town. Sunderland not in a good run of form. But so often is the case when a side is not in a good run of form, Town turn up and that turns around. Um, your opening thoughts on this one? It does feel like that, doesn't it? It's kind of been this theme that, like you say, a team a team that needs a bit of a leg up, is in a bit of a bit of a funk, along comes Ipswich. And ultimately that's what happened. But every, everything we hoped this game would be turned out to be the case for 70, 80 minutes. They looked like a team struggling for confidence. They looked like a, a, a team that hadn't played for, for several days. Um, Lee Johnson had kind of changed his system in, in the search for something. He had injuries, so he was playing a midfielder at left back. The crowd were, were nervy and anxious. Look, if you want to sum, if you if you want the crux of this game, it's the it's the missed chances in the first half. Bursant Selina has to take one of two very good chances, and if one of those goes in, it's the old cliche about the first goal is crucial. The whole dynamic of the game changes. Their crowd, the anxiety in the crowd would have would have gone up a whole notch. It would have gone up to sort of anger and fury, and and then if Ipswich play that second half performance, which was just up, you know complete calm, composed control without ever really looking scoring. But if they'd have gone 1-0 up and then produced that second half, we'd be going brilliant. 1-0 away day display. Classic. Three points. Thanks very much. But they didn't score. And then ultimately didn't didn't look like scoring enough for all the possession in, in the second half. And then it's just two complete sucker punches towards the end, isn't it? With um, Walton, Walton gets stuck in traffic at a corner. And uh, one of those nonsense modern day handball penalties. Oh, and when you say nonsense, Julie, that is absolute nonsense. What What is Toto Enciala meant to do in that situation? He's had the ball pinged at him full on from about a yard away. He's turned away, a natural human reaction, and the ball's hit some part of his arm. That, how is that any... Anyway, it, in the grand scheme of things... Th- thankfully, it didn't matter. It was 2-0. No. That yeah. you know, Can you imagine if it was 0-0 at that point, though? And yeah. that ended up, you know, unbelievable. Anyway, um, what I've said before I'm, I'm keen to do on this podcast is not kind of be too knee-jerk and up and down. Um, with results. And clearly, Town were on a, a decent run of form going into the game. They've lost at Sunderland. Um, but again, they've... You've used a term in in other podcasts, you and kind of in previous eras, Town have failed to lay a glove on the bigger sides in League One and not really been able to live with them. Here, again, continuing the trend, they've very much competed with Sunderland. Yes, they've come away and they've, they've lost. If you look at the stats and expected goals and stuff, uh, everything was pointing towards either a, at least a draw or a Town win. Um, from the game. So in terms of the, the feeling post-match, Dewey, should we be too down about this? Everything is framed by Ipswich Town's start to the season, isn't it? I think mm. if if they'd have come through that in just a little bit extra health, if they'd have got two or three wins on the board during that, that eight-game start instead of being winless, we'd be reflecting very differently on the Oxford draw and the, this Sunderland defeat where you'd 
you'd be going, okay, you, you know, draw against Oxford, the informed side where we finished on top. Fine, move on. Sunderland, mm. lots to like. It happens. We got killed off at the end onto the next one, but they've put pressure on themselves with the start to the season, haven't they? And every one of these missed opportunities just feels like it ramps up the pressure on, on the next games, doesn't it? They've got to find these points from somewhere instead of closing the gap on the top six. They're now seven points off Sunderland. I think they've played a couple of games extra than, than Sunderland. So there is just this nagging doubt for all the good stuff that's going on around this club. Ipswich, we haven't seen, there's no proof yet that Ipswich can go on this winning streak. Hmm. And, that, and it will require a, a winning streak now. It can't just be sort of keep chipping away and picking them up. There will have to be a, a moment of really hot form and as good as those wins at places like Portsmouth and, and Wickham have been, can they do it consistently? Are we going to get to this well-oiled machine stage where they, they start rattling out the wins? And if we're talking about well-oiled machines, you know, there's one in town tomorrow night at Portman Road in, in Rotherham. Yeah, not a game that you want to be going into with, with pressure on you from, from a town perspective, needing something from it. Obviously, we'll come on to that in due course, but a very, very tough game for town tomorrow night. Roscoe, you a pitch side. Um, working on your on your week off because you're a, a dedicated young man, uh, and also you had a night out to get to in Newcastle, and it's kind of on the way. Um, what did what did you, what did you make of it all? I mean, I enjoy I, as ever. I enjoy the game day videos. I always prefer them clearly when Tyler had a big win because everyone's so happy. But this one was kind of a hard watch because everyone was so down. Uh, I think the phrase "there for the taking" was used repeatedly by pretty much everyone you spoke to. So, so what did you make of it? And how how were the fans after the game? Yeah, I was the same, really. I thought it was a missed opportunity. Um, as you know, some, um, Stu said, Sunderland looked disjointed. They just didn't look like a team, really. Um, and mm. we had that, you know, massive chance in the first half. Like, was it at first they had like three opportunities to score? That was an opportunity to take the lead. But yeah, it was just it felt like a missed opportunity. They were there for the taking, but we just didn't capitalise. And they got two very soft goals, and it was a uh, very deflating at the end. You know. The 3,000, whatever fans there was in that away end, of course, rock up in the gods. Of course, it's not as far as Newcastle away end because that's really, really up in the gods. Um, but, you know, everyone who came out and spoke to me on game day, they just felt uh, disappointed. They had a good day overall because sometimes mm. it's actually about the day, the social side of it. You know, John Watson, of course, he's from Sunderland. So um, he was very disappointed. Of course, all of his friends who are Sunderland fans, of course, were... Um, have a little banter with him, but um, he was probably the most disappointing out of the lot because this is his hometown. He wants to beat mm. them, but um, it's just yeah, it's just a missed opportunity. And yeah, just where where are the goals? We were scoring for fun, and we haven't now scored for a while. It's um, a bit worrying, it's a little bit for me. We haven't been scoring recently, so uh, but I predicted a one nil win. We didn't get it, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah, I was gutted for Big John. I could see, especially you know after that game, he was he was he was distraught. Paul Cook was the same. I would say sort of crestfallen, deflated was, I think that summed up everybody's mood. The fact those goals had come quite late. Mm. Paul Cook came into the press room afterwards. We've been doing them all pitch side, but Stadium Light's got a, a nice press room and it was easier for him to be brought up to there. And it just, just flat in, in his tone because he knows, I think he, I think everyone knows that this would, this was a missed chance. You, you know, it's not often you get to play Sunderland and they were, they were, they won't be this, average throughout the season they're just in an, in an off period at the moment they made a really good start to the season and I'm I'm sure they'll sort of come through this one but it's about the timing of when you play these sides and um, mm. it's which unfortunately weren't, weren't quite ruthless enough to um to kill them off 
think you described him as crestfallen, didn't you, Stu? Paul Cook post game. Um, so yeah, clearly feeling it as much as the as the fans are. Shall we just go back to pre kickoff, Stu? Two p.m. What did you make of the side? We talked about on last Thursday's pod. Would he play um, Bailey Clements at left back? He did. He kept faith with him as you thought he would. What What did you make of the rest of the side? We know, unfortunately, Wes Burns was out with a knock, wasn't he? Yeah, it was just one one enforced change. We don't quite know how long Wes Burns will be out for. Paul Cook just said it was uh, he'd felt his hamstring after the Oldham game in midweek, and unfortunately, he'll be out for a short period. So mm. um, we never get too much detail on on injuries from from Paul Cook. So it certainly doesn't sound like I'd be surprised. He was back suddenly tomorrow night. I thought he was he was a loss because I think if you look back at a lot of the goals Ipswich have scored, it is that Burns-Bond combination that mm. they seem to sort of enjoy working together and they didn't necessarily have that sort of pace for, for the counter-attack in transition. But he was the only change, really, the the only enforced change. Paul Cook, as we know, is 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 a loyal manager. I think, you know, he, he tries to sort of stick with sides unless something unless you've properly lost the shirt, he doesn't change it. So he went with that. I would say a few players now are starting to get towards, as I call it, the amber zone, where you're in that sort of, you know, not maybe not quite slipping into the red zone, but there's some decisions to make for, for Paul Cook now. Kyle Edwards, as exciting as he is t- to watch, there comes a point where you're talking about his, his lack of goals, assists, chances created. Yes, if Selena takes one in the first half, he gets that that elusive assist, so it's not not all on him. But I just don't know if he's the final bit of decision making is quite there for him at, at the moment. Bailey Clements, and I hate to say it, he's homegrown, but I thought he looked like a little bit of a weak link there. He, he did enough to get through the game. When he made mistakes, he, he did just about enough to to rectify them. But I don't think he contributed enough as a whole. Mm. Uh, you know, this, this whole Paul Cook system is based around fullbacks bombing on and creating overloads because it is very one-dimensional, this way of Paul Cook playing a bit predictable, if, if you like. And it doesn't matter if it's predictable. If you're very good at it, there's very little you can do to stop it. And and as we've seen, when it, when it works, it's great. But when there's one or two little pieces of the machine that's not quite well-oiled or working, which I thought was the case at, at the weekend, mm. then then it starts to then maybe to look, begin to look a little bit toothless. And I think, you know, with Burns missing on one side, with maybe the left-back slot not necessarily being as strong as it could be, it just started to misfire a little bit. And then we get onto the debate, the wider debate about, you know, is that, as a manager, do you need to recognise on the days where it's not quite working? And do you need to have a plan B? And do you need to to look at other ways? And, and Paul Cook is, as we know, very rigid. He wants to make like-for-like changes. And... Mm. Um, it didn't really do a lot to to change the game on this occasion. Mm. Should we talk about something that Roscoe just mentioned, the, the kind of goals drying up and issues surrounding that? Because uh, I think it is an interesting point. I mean, I was reading something this morning um, that Town have been massively outperforming in terms of the goals they've been scoring. They're, although they're clearly, I think they're still League One's leading scorers. In terms of the actual shots they're getting, they're way down the list. Um, so they've been fortunate, good um, to this, clinical, yeah, yeah, clinical, exactly. So, but now, are we starting to see that 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 kind of start to turn? As it will inevitably do, and in that case, where do we get more goals from? Bonds on a on a mini drought. Joe Piggott, who scored twenty plus goals in this division before, is only getting a few minutes off off the bench each game. 
is I mean, Roscoe, what, what would you do here? It, it clearly Cook's loath to bring Bon off because he's he's red hot striker. Okay, he's not scored for a couple of games, but um, he's a he is a star striker. Um, but Stewie says he wants to make like for like changes. He doesn't want to bring two strikers on together. It seems. But what what would you do with Pigger? Because you at the moment it seems like he's kind of wasted to me. He's not going to make an impact on a game in two or three minutes at the end of it, is he? Yeah, I'm, I'm still I'm still baffled on that. We've got Joe Pigger on the bench and he's coming on five minutes to go, a couple mm-hmm. minutes to go, and what can Joe Pigger do in in that? You know, the time frame, you know, I hate to bring him back into the picture here. Paul Lambert, when he mentioned Freddie Sears, I want a 90 minutes performance from him. He's given him a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, of course, it's a different scenario, but um, I know he likes to do the like, like, I know he likes to play one up front, but when you're losing the game or when it was nil-nil against Oxford, bringing Joe Piggott on for the final five minutes, what's he going to do? Um, mm. um, of course, that was the first time I think he's ever, you know, actually subbed Macaulay Bon off. I can't remember Macaulay Bon being subbed before. Um mm. But yeah, I'm a bit frustrated. Certainly that, before yeah. like 80, 88, 89 minutes. That was that was yeah. quite telling, I thought, that I think Pig- Piggott came on this time, I think, in the 81st minute for Bond. So that's certainly the earliest that Macaulay Bond's been brought off. And at that fans forum the other week, someone asked Paul Cook about Joe Piggott's lack of minutes. And he said, oh, I've had him in the office. I've apologised to him. But basically, it's impossible to take Macaulay Bond off the pitch at the moment. Mm. And Macaulay Bond's you know, he's had big moments late in games as well with the, you know, the Sheffield Wednesday, the classic behind the goalkeeper moment was very late on. And so I do, I do get it. The whole sort of cult status that's growing around Macaulay by the week means that you kind of want him on the pitch at all times. But um, he did look a bit isolated, didn't he, Ross, at the weekend? Yeah. He, for the first time, he wasn't, it's not just his goals. And we sometimes we sort of go a oh, one goal in six now. It's, he's hmm. not, it feels sacrilege every time if, if you, ever you question Macaulay Bond at the moment. And and I love him as much as everyone else, but he's not maybe affecting the games in his general players as much. He, you know, he's still battling centre-halves, but he, he maybe not running channels, getting the ball in the right space. Is that down to Ipswich not using him properly uh, as much? I'd like to see him mix it up sometimes. It's always switch the play, get it wide, crosses in the box. Now and again, Macaulay sort of, Drop in little ball into his feet, play off the bits and pieces. They don't, they don't sort of mix it up up enough. But um, yeah, the fact that Piggott came on in the eighty-first minute just felt like a, a significant moment that Macaulay Bond maybe won't be completely, if not undroppable, but certainly un, unsubbable going forwards. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it must be heartbreaking as a striker to come on with five nine minutes to go. I think you want at least 20 minutes or so, don't you, as a, as a player to be able to, to make an impact. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you say there, it's, it's kind of a groundbreaking thing that he gets nine minutes. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. strikers strikers operate in confidence, don't they? I don't know how you're meant to, to, to gain confidence in two minutes, nine minutes, whatever. Um, is there an argument, Stu, for... <sighs> There's always this kind of debate and, and Terry Hunt, Northstander, our columnist, put it in his column today uh, he knows he appreciates it makes him a dinosaur but he says why not play Pickett and Bond together I mean we know that Cook is wedded to the 4-2-3-1 is there any likelihood of that playing we saw maybe Pickett in the 10 earlier in the season well, that's your, your best chance I think I think Franny Jeffers who's a very good striker him, himself yeah. kind of when he was talking about the different options they've got up front that Pickett is better in that sort of Maybe that link role. I think McCauley's kind of off off the last shoulder, fighting the centre half. I think Joe Piggott can 
maybe operate almost as that number 10 slash striker dropping into little pockets of space. I think sometimes just play another striker. It gets get, is a bit of a simplistic argument in football when it's like score more goals. I said it loads of times. The best teams in the world who score loads of goals play with one up front. It's not it's how how you play it, isn't it? But um, it's an option in game, and I, I wouldn't mind seeing it at, at some point. That's for sure. Yeah. Okay. We'll come to that maybe a little bit later when we talk about Rotherham and, and what to do with the side, Rossi. Um, We've talked about what was disappointing and clearly town loss, which was disappointing and the various issues aside. What was there anything that impressed you from town on on Saturday? Edmondson had another good game, didn't he? Your boy Janoy was 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 decent as well. Yeah, you gotta mention the fridge, and yeah. The, the boy of the fridge, George. Um he definitely deserving that four year deal. Um and what a signing for you know, he, a little nutmeg at the game um, against Sunderland. Um, little fun story here for you. Um, oh, we actually bumped story. into um, we bumped into George Edmondson's parents in Newcastle while ah. waiting for the bus to go back to our Airbnb to get you know all um, dressed up nice and looking nice for Newcastle. But um, yeah, we bumped into them. They just oh, I didn't know who they were originally, but they bumped into all of us just sort of say, "Oh, you know, what do you think of the boy, game, game, lads?" And we went, "Ask all right, what? Who's your man in the match?" And like went, "Oh, probably George Edmondson for us." And went. We're pleased you said that because we're George's parents um, and they, they travel the country watching George. They go in the away end as well for every game. Wow. Um, so, and yeah, it's great. It's great to just have a little chat with them. They're, they're really pleased that George is having one have a hell of a season with Ittrich at the moment. And um, mm. yeah, a little good chat with them. So, yeah. Good stuff. Um, he was he was class, Mark. He's um, like you say the, that four year contract. He's for me. If we, I know we several weeks ago, we did that sort of 19 ranking the 19 signings. I think he'd be top of that now for me because of his age, because of the length of contract. I think Andy said to me over the weekend that if, if Ipswich should keep him for the length of that four-year contract, then they'll they'll be doing something very good, very well. So, um, yeah, that, that nutmeg was the highlight. Really awkward ball that kind of had his neck sort of craning over his shoulder and um, t- turned on the afterburners, won the sprint, and then... Um, and then nutmegged his man tight to tight to the byline. So that, that was a good moment. But he headed so many balls away. He reads the game so well. Cool interceptions. Mm. He, he was the big big plus point for me. Mm. Far be it from me to point out that I'm, uh, I, I don't really know a lot. But um, on that that bit that you just referenced, Stewie, the 19, ranking the 19, the, the piece that I wrote, I think I put Emerson down in 12th. And uh, I got Burgess up in 4th. And I remember at the time, I actually said, if that was me, I'd switch those around. Uh, I was like, nah, nonsense. Um, well, goes to show maybe Hutchie does know a bit more than me. Who knew? Um, boys, anything else from the game to talk about? I was I was also interested. I, I know quite a few fans after the game were saying Lee Evans was rubbish. But then I was looking at the stats again this morning, uh, and he was one of the best performing players on the pitch, stats-wise and, and kind of general ratings-wise. Um, what would you say about that, Roscoe? Unimpressed with Evans? What did you make of him? Uh, he was all right, you know. He did okay. I wasn't that impressed by him, but I wasn't. I wouldn't say he was the worst player on the pitch for us. Mm. Um, I think he's just. He's just. I don't know. He's, he had that unbelievable game against Doncaster, and I think from there we'll go. Here we go. We've got Evans here. Mm. Um, but of course, Morsey's the one in that midfield that you know leads the team. He, he goes into the tackles. Um, maybe just Evans isn't the player that excites people. But um, yeah, he didn't have a great game, but I wouldn't say he had a bad game. What, what do you think, Stu? Yeah, I'd, I'd concur with that. He was he was okay. Lee Johnson, it was fascinating listening 
listening to him after the game, he was talking about where Ipswich's control came from is how their two midfielders, Morsi and Evans, kind of roll out into pockets. They they sort of split quite wide and um and how that was a difficult thing for them to deal with. Um they were calm, they were composed, they kept they kept the ball well. But I would like to, as I said earlier, I'd like to see them mix it up. And Morsi in particular is is capable of that sort of forward thrust. He's capable of a give and go. He's capable of a, a drive that carries you 10, 15 yards up the pitch. Um, it all seemed a little bit formulaic at, at times. And people have sort of questioned the use of the word dominance for Ipswich because they controlled mm. the ball. But... I don't know if you can necessarily say they're dominating the game unless you're really knocking on the door. And in that second half, they'd never really felt like they were knocking on the door. So, um, yeah, that's something that I would like to see them see them mix up a bit. Maybe try and go sort of penetrate through the middle a little bit more. It doesn't always have to be sort of the big switch, get it wide and, mm. and, and that sort of football. OK, well, obviously we'll come on to Rotherham and, the, and what we do with the team for that in due course. Any other notes from the game, boys, before we move on? There was... Can I can I just call out Luke O'Nine's most pathetic piece of play acting? Hmm. Um, we cannot go, but of course it had to be him who, who scored what essentially was the, the, the winning goal towards the end. He, there was a moment down by the sort of the corner flag. He was playing left back and... Um, they had a little sort of a bit of a tangle. I think it was a throw-in they were contesting or certainly the ball was dead at that stage. And Selena sort of just threw out an arm as if to sort of, you know, get get off me sort of gesture. Barely brushed him and down he went sort of holding his chest. Then he thought he better hold his face. And it was just a cynical attempt to to try and get Selena sent off. Selena got booked by the end of it. Um, no, come on. I hate. I, we've talked about this before on the podcast. In modern football, that's the thing I hate most: is is players doing that because it just makes a nonsense of the sport. It's a contact sport, boys. Um, stay on your feet unless you really have to go down. And this kind of throwing yourself on the floor histrionics just makes me hate football. Anyway, it's yeah. pathetic. I've got a father-in-law who um, who's a big rugby man, and we have that yeah. conversation every time. And it's moments like that that. Uh, kind of water down your argument a little bit why, why football's great. So um, come on, Luke, you're better than that, as Luke, uh, <laughs> as Chris Sutton would say on, on Five Live. It was um, not I not did, good at all. I did note, though, because I, I I noted on the uh, your reaction bit um, on here that a Sunderland fan, because you mentioned that on there, didn't you, post-game, and a Sunderland fan has commented to say, actually, Luke's got a separated shoulder and he's bravely playing with a separated shoulder. So... Uh, that that's why he was in such pain. All right. He barely touched him near the shoulder. I'm not having that. That wasn't. He, he didn't pop his shoulder out. I'm sure he is playing through the pain at the moment. But um, no, that wasn't good. And there was a. I didn't really see this incident, Ross. I don't know if you were pit, at that end of the pitch, but there was Macaulay Bond talked about getting. Uh, or Paul Cook said that one of our players was clearly punched twice, and then Macaulay Bond referenced it with his interview with Andy, saying that Bailey Bailey Wright. Landed a couple of digs oh, on yeah. him at, at one stage in, in the game. So I think there was a few bits going on off the ball as well. Yeah, a bit of fighting there for you, Mark. A little bit of fighting. Um, it's but... not really fighting. No, not really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there was a, yeah, they had to sort of separate them a little bit, didn't they, at one stage? Yeah. Um, but yeah, didn't, no, no, no fist was, you know, punched in the face. But uh, Macaulay yeah. doesn't go down holding his face. He was, to, his interview with Andy um, and Brenner afterwards was, was incredible. He's just such, Good value, Macaulay Bond. He um he called the referee rude, 
So <laughs> it's like he's just thought I just thought he was rude. He just like I said, uh, you know, I told the ref if I spoke to you like this, it wouldn't it wouldn't be allowed. So why are you allowed to talk to me like it? He's just completely unfiltered. It's brilliant. He said everything about he'd be angry if QPR called him back at this stage of the season. Um, he just loves just like he loves having a tear up with with centre halves and um, so. Yeah, I'm sure he'll be itching to get back on on the goal trail Tuesday night. Maybe maybe Rotherham is exactly the sort of game that that he wants that he can go in, into war and have a proper proper tear up, as he would say, with the centre halves. Well, without knowing, Stu, you've actually brought us on to what I want to talk about next, which is that Macaulay Bond interview, um, which clearly was fantastic from a from a town point of view, a town fan point of view, to hear him talk so passionately or read him talk so passionately about the club and be really open in the fact that he does not want QPR to recall him. I mean, he couldn't have been more explicit about that. Um, he doesn't want to go back and sit on the bench. Uh, and, and there's a reference there about wearing the town shirt and touching the badge and all that kind of stuff. And seeing pictures of him up outside the ground, he's living the dream, etc. cetera. Um, this is what we want, isn't it, Stu? I mean, we know clearly that James Norwood is, is on his way out the door. He's transfer listed. Macaulay Bond, they're going to do anything they can, aren't they, to, to, to bring him to Portman Road full-time in January? I, w- I wonder if there's some discussions already taking place. There's a little glint mm. in people's eye when you talk about this situation. It's a bit of a, well, we'll talk about this when it's appropriate, but I'm, I'm sure there's conversations. And as I said several weeks ago, I just can't see how this doesn't get done, whether it's January, whether it's the summer, he just wants to be here so much. Mm. Ipswich want him to be here so much. The only thing that could throw a spanner in the works is QPR getting a few injuries and the goals drying up for them. But I just think, I think uh, common sense will prevail and uh, and it it will get done at, at some stage. It has to. You want to get it done in January, though, don't you? You don't want to you don't want to leave it to chance uh, when he ends up season scoring twenty twenty five goals and then suddenly everyone comes in for him. You want to try and get him tied up as soon as possible and. We've talked before, I've said quite a lot, I'm quite big on passion in life and how important that is in everything that you do. Macaulay Bond has passion for Ipswich Town Football Club. The owners finally have passion or at least are showing visible passion compared to what we're used to with with Marcus Evans. And Paul Cook himself, you've often referred to him, Stewie, as a manager who kind of talks like a fan and he has passion. There's passion all over the place. And Macaulay Bond would bring that passion for Ipswich Town and have that connection as well with the fans. You know, that's that's what we want at Ipswich Town. So, fingers crossed, they should be driving a boatload of money up. That, what is it, $750 million they've got in that? Come on, boys. Get, I don't get know who's, who has the upper arm in these, upper hand in these negotiations because QPR are sort of going to be going, well, clearly you desperately, desperately want him. Yeah. Show me the money. But then Ipswich will be saying, well, they might be... They, they, as much as there's money at Ipswich Town, they, you know, these are smart businessmen that aren't going to pay over the odds, and they'll be saying, "Well, you either take this or you have him back, and you're going to have an unhappy player uh, on your hands." Clearly, so I'm sure there'll be a little bit of cat and mouse brinksmanship going on that's probably been going on for several weeks, and then eventually they'll meet in the middle. And um, as I say, I just can't see how this. I might be wrong, just can't see how this doesn't ultimately get done. Get the boy Ashton in there. He'll sort it out. Get get those get those testicles on the Portman Road boardroom table, as we know. He'll, he's the man for it. Um, speaking of which, speaking of testicles, just to remind to support our sponsor, Manscaped. Use the code 20% off at 
manscaped.com for free delivery and that um that 20% off like i mentioned it's black friday on friday and i'm told this koa day. is the code sorry you, what did you, i say you said use the code 20% off use the oh. koa unbelievable shamble teeth use the code koa at manscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery it's because I, I i say it like a robot now Stuart. it kind of comes out my mouth and i don't even listen to what i'm saying now i'm just going to promo mode um black friday friday look out for all the good offers on, on manscaped.com right then moving on Ipswich town men's team didn't win this weekend against a big promotion rival but roscoe Ipswich town women they don't let us down and boy did they not let us down at Southampton, the only other team really capable of hanging with them, it would seem, so mm. far this season. They went to Southampton in the league and they came home with all three points. Yeah, it was round one to Southampton, but round two, Town got the win. 2-0, Natasha Thomas and Zoe Barrett with the goals. I wasn't there, unfortunately, because I was sort of half sleeping. You were hungover. Um, yeah. Hangover um, and drawing back from Sunderland, but um, I was, you know, looking at the updates and um, yeah, massive win. Um, little fun fact here, um, Southampton have never lost a league game in their history because they were only formed a few years ago um, because they were not a team, basically Southampton and decided, yeah, let's have a women's team. So the first ever win in in the league against, or well, yeah. They've, that, never, that, lost, that never, they've never, never lost the game. Wow. They've lost the game. Or they've lost like cup games and all that jazz. No, yeah, yeah, but in the league, but that's still fairly major, isn't it? Yeah, really major. So massive win. Um, and we're top of the table looking pretty. 11, 11 wins now out of 11. Um, just, of course, that cup defeat against Southampton is the one that's disappointing. But yeah, riding high at top of the league and a massive result in April. That round, round three, the trilogy, it's going to be a massive one. That's what it's going to, I mean, potentially that's what it's all going to come down to, isn't yeah. it? Town host Southampton at the end of the season. Um, clearly, the ladies, it looks like they can't be stopped by anyone else. Um, what's been the What's been the key, Roscoe? I mean, we know, you know, they got promoted at the end of last season. They were tonking size last season. They were clearly playing a level too, too low. But again, they've, they've come up and it seems like this level is not really high enough for them either. We know that the, the new owners have, have paid for professional deals for... Mm-hmm. A lot of the girls, so they're you know they're able to train more and kind of bring a level of professionalism to it. But is it just a case of that the ladies are just too good for this level as well? I wouldn't say too good. Um, I don't think they want to go too overboard about it. But I think we have just good quality players who have stepped up. Um, they've mm. earned them deals. Um, we've signed some good experienced players. I think that's what we were lacking in previous seasons. We just didn't have that leadership. Um, I wouldn't say we didn't have that leadership, but we've had we've signed Sarah Contra, the goalie, Bonnie Horwood in midfield. And they've experienced, they've played at the highest level possible. So I think that's helped. Um, it's just a great team bond. I think they're just, everyone has been playing in the same team for the last few years. They've all progressed through the academy. Um, Joe, of course, is a fantastic manager. Um, and I think, you know, we just haven't got too carried away, but they've, you know, go into game each game, go into the next one um, and just getting the results. Um of course, you know, we've been winning games a lot, but they have been close, been cagey. Um, but yeah, it's a, another great positive, you know, win. And yeah, it's just a, what a roller coaster a ride they're on at the moment. And hopefully they'll they'll do do the job at the end of the season. Certainly looks that way at the moment. Can I also just say, while we're talking about the Ipswich Town women's side, um, how good it is to have Blue Wilson on board for, for Tractor mm-hmm. Girls Talk. Um, obviously, Katie Sandals, big, big shoes to fill when she departed. Um, but I listened to one of the first pods you did with Blue. I was in the Peak District. I was out running. Uh, I thought, let's have a bit of the, the boy Rossi and, and Blue on, see what's, what's going on. 
and I really enjoyed it. Blue's very, very good. Very good. Um, speaks really well. Um, so a major, major signing, Roscoe. A coup for you. Um, are, you are you recording a, a Tracks Girls talk to reflect on this big win later on this week? Yeah, so we'll be one out on Wednesday. Um, Blue, of course, had her surgery for her ACL last week, so she's recovering. Um, mm. I spoke to her on Sunday, you know, how are you feeling after the, the surgery? And said, after that win, I don't need morphine now. It's all about um, the buzz of that, uh, of that win. So um, we're going to have a great chat about the game. Sarah Quantrill, of course, will be on as a special guest, the goalie, because um, she was actually at the game. Of course, me and Blue will be just talking about a game that we weren't at, but Sarah can sort of talk about the game and have a clean sheet for her. So yeah, look out for that on Wednesday at some point. I think Blue probably would still need morphine, regardless of how buzzing she was. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just that not, little moment when she saw the full-time result. Like, yeah. Oh, yes. Not to, not to be tested, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right then, Stewie. So we, we talked about one winning town side. Are we going to be talking about another winning town side come... Wednesday morning, Ipswich Town, they've just lost to Sunderland. They, As you said, they've kind of put themselves in a position now where they can't really afford many more slip-ups. And I don't want to call this a must-win game because clearly it's not. It's not even a game that they have to get any points out of realistically because it's still relatively early in the season. But let's be honest, they do need at least a draw you'd, you'd expect out of this game. But this is not a side that you want to see coming to Portman Road next, is it? Rotherham second in the table. I think they're unbeaten in 14 games. They lead the league in expected goals, uh, especially away from home, worryingly. Um, and they don't concede a lot either. They're, they're a physical side. What are you making of this one? Yeah, they beat Cambridge United 3-1 at home at the weekend without probably their two best players in, mm. in Michael Smith, the top goal scorer, who was serving a one-game suspension. Ollie Rathbone, who by all accounts has been their star performer in, in midfield, was was ill. And despite those two players being out, they won 3-1. Um, Mark Bonner of, of Cambridge United manager called them outstanding, outstanding and way above the level athletically of anyone we have played this season. They're powerful, aggressive, hard-running, relentless and ruthless. It will be a good side who finishes above them. So they were, they were right up there in terms of my picks because I just think we've seen enough of Rotherham in League One to know that they know what to do at this level. They know this division and uh, they've got good, they've got good players. Um, Bar laser just sitting in front of the back three. They're another team that play a back three mm. can ping some passes. Set pieces is a concern for me in this one. I think Ipswich are not defending them very well. Conceded, um, conceded from one at Oldham. They've conceded from another one at the weekend. So that is certainly a concern of mine going into this. So, uh, without being too doom and gloom, this is not the sort of fixture that Ipswich needed to be rolling into after after the disappointment of Saturday. It's uh, it's time to stick their big boy pants on and um, and roll up their sleeves and uh, you know let's let's see what they're made of. Yeah, this is not a game. I've, I feel I've got a bad feeling about this one, boys. Um, for all the all the reasons already mentioned, Rossi, how are you feeling? I mean, clearly the other thing we should mention is the town at Portman Road on a Tuesday night. A little bit of magic about them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, who knows? What? How are you feeling about this one going into it? We'll talk about the team in a minute. Yeah, it's... Um, when we play Rotherham, I'm always a bit worried. They're, they're a team that just gets the job done. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the results against them have, have never been that great. Although the James Collins um, masterclass, I remember that game when uh, we won 1-0. James Collins, only game really played for us because he yeah. was pretty, in, pretty injured. Um, I know we're at home and we have to play, you know, blue, but can we just switch to the white kit? You know, is that is Get that actually in the, the rules? 
I don't know. Is that in the rules? Can, I don't can know. You, if you're the home, can you can you pick? If you're the home side, can you just pick? It's a good question because England played in blue at Wembley the other week, mm. didn't they? Um, I assume both sides would would have to agree to it. I don't know if the referee gets the final <laughs> final say on that. Um, they wear red. It's fine. You know, it doesn't clash. It's white, so you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's put a marker down. Town should wear white tomorrow. Um, yeah. Stewie, what should Town do with the side though? We've talked about issues. You talked earlier about people like Carl Edwards um, and Celine obviously starting at the 10. You'd have to say that Chaplin probably far unlucky not to get that start on Saturday. Um, Bond, Piggott, all that kind of stuff. Bailey Clements, things we've already talked about. What would you do with the side for this one? Because this is, this is as you say, a game where you need your big boy pants fully on and zipped up. Yeah, I think probably about, roughly about half of the team is is kind of nailed on at the minute. Walton, despite his, his error at the weekend, I, I Going back to that Walton error, I think that may have almost been overconfidence because he'd been claiming so many of those aerial balls so confidently. Mm. He just, as soon as that ball went high, that corner delivery, he thought, I'm, I'm going for this. And it, he just lost the, the flight of it a little bit and got, and got stuck in, in a crowd. But he, he's been he's been good. So he carries on in goal. Edmondson, as we've discussed, Anassian has to play. Morsi is captain. Bon, despite the what we've said about him, has to start still. And then around that, there starts to be a few question marks. Um, straight away, if I, if I look at the defence, is it prudent to bring Cameron Burgess in for this game, considering we talk about mm. Rotherham being land of the Giants and dealing with aerial balls? Is this the sort of game he comes in? And then the next question mark is, where would you bring him in to the team? We've seen him fill in at left-back before. It's not for me, if I'm honest. I'm not, I feel a bit uncomfortable, you know, with a... With someone running in behind him and all that that sort of scenario. So if he were to come in, I think it would for me it would be more of a swap for Toto, who is getting the job done. But with Toto, there's always that little bit just leaves you a little bit nervy at, at times. You just um, you feel like there might might be a a moment in him. So um, and then left left back Clements, as good as his debut was against Oxford. Haven't been as convinced by him in the last couple of games, but then your other options, if we're discounting Burgess, you know, Penny would be coming back into the team off, off some disappointing games himself. Otherwise, you're looking at a Danassian or Kane Vincent Young out of out of position, inverted commas, out of position job. Mm. Yes, they've played there before. I've said it in previous uh, podcasts and videos that that's the route I'd be going down now, either either Danassian or or Vincent Young at left back with the other on on the other side, um, and then it's the it's the top end of the pitch. I mean, uh, Ross, um, I'll let I'll let you take on take on things from here. It's uh, picking that that three, and I think Paul Cook will go with that four two three one. Um, of course, becomes becomes uh, the the big question mark now, really, doesn't it? Oh, and Rotherham are a big size, so. Piggott probably would be an ideal player at the start, really. But then McCauley Bonnie, he gets in there. He works his ass off. Mm. Um, I like Chaplin. I do like Chaplin, but he's a little boy. Um, he's, he's, he's not. He's, he's five foot, whatever. Um, but he's always a tricky player, and he always comes on and, and does well. Um, so I'm, I'm sort of edging maybe starting Chaplin, maybe just to mm-hmm. add a different element in that that front four. Um, Tony Luco, I thought, did okay against Sunderland. I um, mean, a few moments where I was thinking, what's he doing there? Um, but it is hard. I think 
you know what? This is controversial. I would probably drop Carl Edwards. I just don't. I don't think he's been at his best the last few games. Um, maybe that's what he just needs—a nice little rest. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it's tricky to decide, really. Um, of course. So, all, um, okay. What are you doing there then? So Chaplin's your, your ten, by the sound. Are you saying Chaplin at the ten? I'm sort of edging. Maybe he can go possibly on the right. Okay, because we know maybe... Wes Burns probably isn't going to play. So no. he's on the right. Who's in the 10? Hmm. Piggott? You just said Piggott? Piggott possibly, but I don't think he would. Oh, I don't the know. Three, the maybe... three I've got written down, if it helps, is I've got Aluko still in the side. I thought he mm-hmm. had a really good start at the stadium. He was the one player who I could hear those fans high up in the crowd sort of singing his name because he was his footwork was outstanding at times. He was really bamboozling the... Uh, Sunderland defence and I'm assuming Burns is still not fit and then I think I'd be shaking it up a little bit more I've got Fraser and Chaplin and I know both could play 10 or left I know it's not his best position Fraser but I think I would nominally start him on the left but allow sort of him and Chaplin to to interchange I just want Fraser in, in this team now because we've talked about Ipswich not maybe creating as many chances as they have. He's the one player that can unlock the door. When when he came on, he played some really cute little reverse mm. passes and and he's the sort of player that can can I, I think if Rotherham have got a weakness, it's on the it's on the counter attack and it's when they can commit men forward. And I think if you can then get the ball to someone like Scott Fraser, he can uh Would you drop Fraser? Maybe play Would you that. drop Fraser down, you know, play and play him alongside Morsey. He did well, didn't he, the other week? That would be the other question mark, isn't it? We talked about Evans yeah. earlier on, to, you know, is and he went down at the halftime whistle. He went down like a sack of spuds, holding what looked to be his ribs, and there was a good couple of minutes of treatment for him. And I, I was surprised to see him come out for the start of the second half, to be honest. So he's clearly taken some sort of bang or knock. So um, there may be a question mark there, and and like you say, if that gives you the, you could put Fraser Fraser a little bit deeper in into the two um which gives you then the option to play selena or edwards on the left still so that there's options we keep talking about so many options in attack but not quite getting the right combinations at the moment and uh, a third of the way into the season you'd think that we'd be sort of knowing what what the first choice three is and we, we don't seem mm. to be any any nearer towards that at the moment Right, I'm going to put you both on the spot then. I want to know your teams. If you were in charge of Ipswich Town tomorrow, what, what would your team be? Stewie? I've got written down Walton, Danassian, yeah. Edmondson, Burgess, KVY at left-back. I know that's changing a couple of players in, in mm-hmm. a back four that's not been conceding loads of goals, but I just it's Rotherham. Um, Morsi, Evans, Still go with those two. And then I've got Aluko, Chaplin, Fraser and Bon. I have got an alternative formation team written down oh, here and, and I don't go. think it will happen. Um, Lee Johnson of Sunderland was asked, did he consider changing his system at the weekend? Because he ended up playing a midfielder at left back in 09. And he just said, I thought about it long and hard, but realistically it takes several weeks to work on switching to a back three because there's different pressing patterns I think he was talking about and people don't realise that you can't just suddenly... I know people go, they're professional footballers, they should be able to just change formations, but nowadays the amount of work that goes on 
in and on the training pitch for these things. I'd be surprised if he changed, but you could you could make an argument with sort of the lack of options necessarily at left back at, at the moment that a back three might be more prudent. You could go Burgess, Edmondson, Danassian, who's who I think is is well suited to a sort of a back three. And then that gives you more options to go with maybe a four and then a, a three in front of them. But I don't think it will happen. So who the that's the three, who would the four then be? Ideally, you'd want Burns on the right side of a midfield four in that system, and I don't think he's available. So you'd probably be looking at a Luco on the right, Morsi, Evans, probably Edwards best suited to a, a midfield four, and then your front three. You could even go with Bond. That could give you the option to go with like a Bond Piggott with one in behind, Fraser slash Selina. Mm. Something like that. So that gives you the option to get your two strikers on that, that people are talking about. Interesting. Rossi, what what, what would your side be, uh, assuming we're playing a 4 2 3 1? Do you know what? I would probably keep Bailey Clements in. I know he didn't have the greatest game against Sunderland, but I think he hasn't really done that much wrong. I'll probably st- stick with the same back five, really, because they didn't do anything really wrong in that game. You know, just, mm-hmm. okay, the soft, the soft first goal and then the penalty. So I couldn't do anything wrong, you know. He hit his hand, boom, a boom. Mm. Um, so I'll probably just stick with that back four. I understand where Stu's going, coming from with bringing Burgess in because he's they are going to be man mountains of Rotherham side, Michael Smith and all that. They've got a lot of big lads, um, as we know with Rotherham. Um, midfield, Morsey is just my guarantee, he's always on my sheet. Morsey's mm-hmm. always there for me. Um, then yeah, it's now deciding. Fraser Evans. Then we hadn't even mentioned Idris, who had a, a great game against Oldham, scored that absolute well over goal. Hmm. Um, so that's what I'm I'm struggling with at the moment. I'm trying to think who should I put there. Um, I'm think I'm going to be dropping Evans, and I'm going to put I'm going to put Scotty Fraser in there. Okay, Scotty Fraser in there. Interesting. Um, then I think on the right, I'm probably gonna, I'm going to play Luca. I think Chaplin in the middle, and then on the left, I'm going to bring in. I think I'm going to play Selena. I think. And then there was Chaplin and Fraser, um, Chaplin and um, Selena will just switch over. Um, and then, <clears throat> and then I'll, I'll just, I'll just, mm, do I put Pig it up? Mm, you still no, thinking about, still thinking about dropping your boy? Mm, my boy, my boy. Um, <laughs> no, actually, no, sorry, I'm going to switch this again. Um, oh. <laughs> I'm actually going to drop Selena. I'm going to drop Selena. I'm going right. to put Chaplin on the left. And I'm actually right. going to play Macaulay Bon in the 10 and Pig it up front. Bon in the 10? What's she thinking yeah. there? I just think he's a he works hard, doesn't he? I think he can head it on to Piggott, um, but maybe he can be more of a, a, a bit further. It's more of sort centre forward role. He's not actually going to be in the ten. It's going to be more. It's going to be like a four, four one one. You know what I mean? I, I don't know how I'm going with this. Um, it makes sense in my head, but um, I think yeah, I think they four can one one it. one. Yeah, something like that. Four four. Is that that's, that's eleven players, isn't it? Can we just play twelve players? Yeah. If I can rescue Ross here a little bit, or one point I will make, whoever plays as the the 10 has got a job on their hands keeping Barlazer quiet as the sort of, I hate this phrase in football, but quarterback, the sort of deep-lying midfielder who who can uh, spray passes and and do that. So they're going to have to do, quite often we talk about sort of attacking players, it's all about what they can contribute going forwards, but they're going to have a defensive job to do, whoever plays there. Selena, for all his qualities... Not not sure that that's that's top of his list of fortes. So, mm. um, yeah, that's probably why I've got Fraser in in the t- uh, 
Isaac Chaplin in, in that 10 position for that for that reason. Okay, well, I hope you followed that because I'm a bit confused now as to who's playing where and how many, even how many players can might play tomorrow. But I think, I think, I think we got yeah. to the end of it. Um, we, we can also say that Barlazer, that's fun to say, isn't it? Barlay. Anyway, I digress. I, I said at the start of this um, look at Rotherham, Stewie, that it, I hate the, the term must win, especially this early in the season. It's not technically a must win. It's not even really a must not lose. But how do you, I mean, that's what I'm going to ask you. How, how, would, you, how would you classify town going into this game um i think it's as much to do with sort of vibe and feeling at the moment for ipswich and you know they've built so much good feeling off the pitch with we're, we're coming up to sort of these festive pack out portman road games it's important they don't let too much of that that feeling sort of dissipate by the mm. time they get to those, those christmas christmas matches really so um I think it's as much about how they play as the result. Uh, I'd like to, I'd like them to get something from this game because I think back, back to back defeats would feel quite damaging to things. And it's just again, before you know it, you're, you're chasing your tail and you're starting to reach for things and force for things, and um, that wouldn't be too good. Lots of football to go, of course there is, and Paul Cook's going to keep sort of trotting out that sort of forty-six game mantra. But um, we're into moving season now. This is when. Hmm. tables really start to become solidified and, and Ipswich, if they're not careful, kind of find themselves floundering around in in mid-table if a few more games sort of slide by. So, yeah, every game feels big, but again, this, this one does, doesn't it? This next month or so, isn't it? Month or six weeks is is properly move, you know, moving season. December, Christmas, January, early January. Really, really important time in any football season. Um, and as you say, Stu, they can't really afford to, to fall too much further off the pace. Predictions time then, boys. What are we going to say? I am, I've been taking a deep dive into the stats this morning, as you may have noticed from various references I've made throughout this. And looking at the stats, the stats are predicting a 2-1 home defeat for Ipswich Town on this one, looking at various factors. Um, so I'm going to say 2-1 to Rotherham, going with the stats. Stewie, what, how are you feeling? What do you reckon? Um... I'll go for an optimistic draw. If Ipswich can come through this week with four points mm. from the, the three games, it wouldn't be a complete disaster. Mm. Obviously, the crew game is is the more, more winnable of the two. So I'll go with a draw. And gone are the days where we're going for big high-scoring games. You know, we talked about maybe the XG suggested that maybe Ipswich weren't, that that was going to happen at some point. I actually think the, the expected goals against even though they were conceding a lot, they were sort of from individual errors rather than mm. sort of relentless pressure. So those two sort of things have, have sort of moved together now. So 1-1, one, one, maybe even a nil-nil. And one, one. A, draw, a draw would be a decent result though, wouldn't it? I mean, you'd be, if we're sitting here Wednesday morning and town are drawn with Rotherham, I don't think that's a bad result at all, given the form that Rotherham are in and, and various other factors we've already discussed. Roscoe, what do you think is going to happen? Uh, my head goes. It's going to be a rubbish, rubbish. <laughs> um, I just don't, yeah. don't listen to your head, Rossi. Come on. No, Come don't on. listen to heads. Yeah. Um, my heart goes. We're going to win. Why not? Come on, boys. Tuesday night, uh, one nil. As I said, it's going to be a rubbish game. Even my heart says it's going to be a rubbish game. Um, I think it'll be one of those where Rotherham will have just battle us, battle us going forward, and then out of nowhere, Connor Chaplin. With an absolute weldy, one nil. Why not? 
That'd be tremendous. If Town do win again on Tuesday night, I think we should start a petition to get all Town games moved to Tuesday. Stu, you've got this. You're the man with the sort of power who can pull this off. Have a chat with the EFL, see what we can do. Because um, they do, they do seem to be a bit tasty on Tuesday night. So, um, well, that's another reason for needing some some cup cup runs. FA Cup runs might need get a few more games rearranged to Tuesday nights as well. Okay, Maybe that, that's where the power lies. Just playing under the lights. Keep playing Tuesdays, boys. Um, so I'm, I'm, I've said a two-one loss. Stu said a one-one draw, and Roscoe has said an optimistic one-nil win. So we will see. Whatever happens, it's going to be a really, really tough game, and a game we're going to learn a lot more about about town again. I think, um, boys. Anything else to discuss this week? Any other business? We're coming up almost to a perfect hour, which is a the key time, the aim time for a podcast. Anything else to mention, Stewie? Um. If any of the Ipswich fans who are at the Stadium Alight on Saturday happen to spot a man arriving on an electric scooter wearing a helmet, and that man may well have been Andrew Warren. What? Um, if, if you if, Have a look back at your pictures. If anyone's got a picture of him sort of in the background, um, I would quite like to see that. How have you we not brought of... this up already? Why did we not start the show with this? Uh, we did our own. We, yeah, so we, we went up on Friday for a change. And then yeah. uh, sat- Saturday morning, we went off to sort of do our own thing for a few hours. And um, Andy sent me a, a little picture of himself hiring one of those Boris bike style e-scooters. So helmet you on. went off and did your own thing and, and Hutchie went, I'm going to go and hire a scooter. That's Hutchie, that's why I love Hutchie. He's very eclectic. Very, uh, yeah. Um, what did you do in your own time, Stu, if you weren't hiring a scooter? I went off to, I don't know if you mentioned, remember me mentioning this before, I went off to collect sea glass. Ah, of course. At Seam, just it? a few miles oh, down the road. So I had a nice uh, nice therapeutic few hours in on a nice sunny are we still in autumn autumnal day? I think, it still, day? I think it still counts as autumn, although it's getting very well, cold now. Did you get a good haul? A good haul of winter? Of, not of too sea bad. Glass? Yeah. What's it called? Beach glass. Sea glass. Sea glass, not to be confused with dragon glass, of course, or dragon glass, as I would say, from, from Game of Thrones. Roscoe, anything else to mention? How are you? What's going on? You still got your meal preps going on? What's what's happening? Yeah, got my um, meal preps just before we came on the pod. So I'm gonna eat that for lunch, I think. Um I wanna g- give um a shout out to Sunderland's um, food. I thought it was not bad. It's a little setup they've got there. We've had food, you know, we've been there before, but um, yeah, it was nice. It was chicken curry or something. It was chicken, anyway. I don't know what it was really, but <laughs> chicken something and rice like a, and like a black bean sauce. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, outstanding. Um, I just want to add another TV recommendation into the mix. I know people like them. On the back of my extraordinary extensions with Tiny Temper and Baking Impossible, um, I watched for about the third time over the weekend. It's now rocked up on Netflix. Uh, and if you haven't seen it, do watch it because it's one of the best sporting documentaries I've seen for a long time. It's called I Believe in Miracles, and it's the story of Brian Clough's time at Nottingham Forest. Brian Clough, for me, the greatest manager who has ever lived and will ever live. Um, and that is an extraordinary story of what he did at Nottingham Forest, given what happened at Leeds beforehand. It's a really, 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 really good watch. Um, and if, you, if you're not familiar with Brian Clough and why he's so great, watch that. Roscoe, you had your hand up. Do you need a wee? No, no, no. Um, I thought another recommendation. It's on Prime Video, um, a documentary on Nicola Adams, the, um, the oh, female yeah. boxer really good about her story and you know the story of female boxing in general and it was just yeah it was a really good watch last night 
I love a good documentary. The best ones yeah. as well are about things that you wouldn't normally be interested in, but you kind of connect to the story. The, the um, what they call 30 for 30 ESPN documentaries are, are great for that. So again, if you see any of those generally and you think, oh, I'm not really interested in that sport, always give them a watch because the stories are fantastic. Anyway, hopefully another brilliant story will be written at Portman Road tomorrow night and it'll have Ipswich Town winning in the intro um, when Andy writes it tomorrow night at portman road friends we've come up to an hour we hope you have enjoyed this pod we've hope we've cheered you up a little bit after the uh the letdown of the weekend and we go again rotherham at home tomorrow night another opportunity for town to sparkle under those tuesday night lights have a great start to the week enjoy the rest of it and we'll be back later on in the week to speak to you again from true crime to football brexit to football more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.